And will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts together be acceptable in your sight. Through Christ Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I suppose it depends on where you're sitting, uh, how it is that you remember an event. Jesus did many, many things when he walked upon the earth, and part of the gift of our canon of Scripture is that we have four different Gospels, and each of the Gospel writers chose to remember various pieces of what Jesus had done. John has the transformation of water into wine. The Gospel of Mark has a young boy sitting by the empty tomb on Easter Sunday, not angels. Every gospel writer has a particular slant on something, but there's one story that all of the gospel writers included, all four of them, and it's this marvelous story of the feeding of a multitude at the end of a very long day. And how we remember that story, I suppose, depends upon where we're sitting. I've been rejoicing a little in my heart this week because college football season is right around the corner. But I know that at the end of the season, you know, Cal will be playing Stanford and UCLA will be playing USC. And at the end of those games, the people on one side of the stadium will be say, saying, there is none like God who has given us victory over our enemies. And the other side will be saying, how long, O Lord, must we wait until you vanquish our foes? The score will not change. But depending on where you sit, the entire story looks different. Could I get you for just a moment before we get to the miracle to sit in the boat with Jesus and make your way across the lake? One of his closest relatives, a cousin, who shared with him the kingdom of God and that vision has been killed. He didn't just die. He didn't have a lingering illness. There was, uh, there was no accident. He was murdered by a petty, small-minded king, a puppet king put in place by Rome who was afraid of really everything. And he put John to death. And when that happened, it probably called to Jesus' mind the fact that prophets throughout history have paid a heavy price for speaking the authentic word of God in the midst of their cultural context. John wasn't the first prophet to pay with his life for the privilege of preaching the gospel. And Jesus himself was beginning to be referred to as a prophet. So there was the issue of a family member suddenly and tragically taken away, unjustly taken away. And then the question about his own future and his own safety. And for all of that, Jesus just needed some space and time to get away and to think things through. Have you ever been there? Where life came crashing in so hard you just had to go jump in a lake somewhere. I've been there. So he got in the boat and he went to a lonely place apart, says Matthew. And by the time the boat made its journey through the night and landed on the other side of Lake Gennesaret, the crowd had figured out where he was going. They had walked around the lake and they were waiting for him on the other side. 
Now, he could have quoted the psalmist, Whither shall I flee from thy presence? Uh, But he didn't. Matthew says that when he got out of the boat and he saw the expectant crowd waiting there, he was filled with compassion. What a remarkable word is the word compassion. It comes from two root words, co, meaning to be together or to exist together, and pateor, a Latin word that means to suffer. Compassion is not pity. Compassion is not feeling sorry for someone. Compassion does not hold someone at arm's length and say, oh, there but for the grace of God go I. No, compassion enters into the suffering of others. It identifies with them. Jesus didn't see a bunch of clingy people with all kinds of problems. Now, they may have seen a miracle worker, someone who could heal with a word, someone who could provide them with the relief of the suffering in their lives, someone who was an easy answer to all of life's problems. If you're sitting on the crowd's side of the stadium, there is every reason in the world why you'd want to get around the lake and get as close to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment as, as you can think of. But if you're sitting in the boat with Jesus, and I'll confess, as I was praying about this message, and I was sitting in the boat with Jesus, my first thought when I came to shore and saw the crowd was, oh God, not you again. Oh, please, let me have some relief. I'll bet the staff of our summer camp has felt that a few times. On Friday, when those kids come bouncing in and and the troublemakers are still making trouble, and the shy ones are still shy, and the one little kid who can barely make it to the bathroom on time is still barely making it to the bathroom on time. You're thinking, oh, God, not again. Amen? Amen. You can say it out loud here. It's safe. Um, But Jesus was filled with divine compassion. As miracles go, the multiplication of the loaves and fish is actually a pretty old trick for Yahweh, the God of scriptures. Or did we forget about the journey through the wilderness and the manna that was collected every day, the bread that was fed to them? Or did we forget about the time that they came to Elisha and said, hey, we've got these hundred soldiers and they're starving to death. And he took the 20 loaves and they said, that won't be near enough to feed them. And Elisha told them, God has provided, set them down, let's eat. And they all ate and they were satisfied. Hmm. God's been doing this for a long, long time. And Jesus was filled with that same compassion. So the disciples, at the end of a long day in which Jesus should have been sharing with the Lord his grief and working through his own agony, but instead had been poured out one more time upon the needs of everybody, walking through the encampment there, bending down to lay hands on one, healing another, saying the right words of comfort to yet another. Jesus spent the whole day until finally the disciples themselves had had enough, and they came to Jesus and said, It's a big crowd. They're getting hungry. You need to send them away while it's daylight so they can find a village nearby and get some food for themselves. And Jesus said, don't send them away. You feed them. I tell you what, if you've ever sailed with Jesus in a boat, the you feed them word 
is the one that wants, makes you want to get out of the boat and go stand with the crowd. Now, some of you who've been in this church for a long time know what I'm talking about. It's always me setting up the tables. It's always me taking down the chairs. It's always me coming early to pray. It's always me making sure the doors are locked and the lights are out. It's always me. It's always me. When do I get to stand on the other side with the crowd and have Jesus bless? It's always me. You ever felt that way? It's okay. It's safe in here. It's a hard thing to follow Jesus because he's filled with God's own compassion. He keeps showing us the world through the eyes of God. You don't need to send them away. You feed them. Lord, we have five loaves and two fish. Yes, bring them to me. 5,000 men, we are going to hear, along with the women and children, and we have five loaves and two fish. Look at the cover of your bulletin. How many times would you have to cut that soup with water to make it work just to feed the people in this room? Five loaves and two fish. But what Jesus was doing was speaking to the hearts of everyone who was there. Even in Jesus' time, hospitality had its certain limits. Did you know that everyone in that crowd, everyone in that crowd had probably squirreled away a little something somewhere? Everyone had a little bit, but you always keep what you're going to need. Jesus didn't want to send them away because what Jesus had come on the earth to do was to build community together. What the community is going to eat and how they're going to eat it is of secondary importance. The important thing, as we're going to come to see in the upper room at the end of Jesus' life, is that we keep these people together. Because there's nothing that addresses the suffering and the misery and the sin of this world more powerfully than Christian community when it has come together. Because when we are together, we can affirm that the compassion of God is much more powerful than the problems and the persistent troubles of this world. In fact, there is nothing in the world more powerful than the compassion of God. Nothing in all the world. So I don't know. Some scholars say that it was an outright miracle. And others say that when they saw the disciples pull out their sack lunch and take out a loaf and a couple of fish, they all said, well, I got a little bit too. And then the word just spread down the, the line. And because they were a community together, they all decided to pile it together in one place and see what everybody had brought out there. And if you're one who likes to explain away the miracles like that, or if you're one who likes to keep them miraculous, I'm not going to mess with you because the truth is none of us were sitting in the front row that day and none of us saw what his hands did when he blessed those loaves and broke them out. That's it, not the point of the story. The point of the story is that in the midst of grief and in the midst of sickness and in the midst of sins that needed forgiving and in the midst of their brokenness and in the midst of a Roman occupation and in the midst of everything else on this beautiful gorgeous summer night. 5,000 men plus women and children laid back in the grass, ate until they were full and satisfied, looked up at the first stars appearing in the night sky and felt contentment in the presence of God's people. And the disciples went around afterwards and they gathered up 12 baskets full of the fragments 
that were left over. It was a perfect day. An absolutely perfect day. And there are so few of them in this world. And so here we are as a church, gathering up the fragments of God's outpoured compassion. And I know some of us who are disciples, like you and me, we're walking around going, it's always me picking up the leftover pieces. It's always me carrying the basket along with. But that basket is important, as heavy as it is. And it's heavy stuff in there. It's not cheap grace. It's costly grace. The word of Jesus was, you feed them. And that costs, and it's heavy. And in the midst of those broken pieces, we see all of the the sin and the sickness and the things that beset us in this world, those fragments are there to remind us that the pathway to God is the broken way. That we are the church itself, broken open by God and given out to the world. And when you've been broken enough times, you wonder, is there going to be anything left of me? I'm only five loaves and two fish, Lord. And what God says is not only will there be enough, but you're going to have baskets and baskets left over. And we need those baskets. On our hard days, on our tired days, on our bitter days, on our struggling days, we need to look into that basket and remember that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Thou changest not, we just sang. Thy compassions, they fail not oh break thou the bread of life dear lord to me as thou didst break the loaves beside the sea become to us a living bread baskets and fragments of a scripture that i read somewhere of a kind word spoken to me of a hand that held my hand in the night and prayed with me through a long vigil of trouble Baskets of fragments, scant memories of the first time we held a child or the last time we smoothed the wrinkled brow of the dying. Baskets and baskets of fragments. So few perfect days in this world. But our baskets are full of moments, aren't they? Powerful, God-filled moments. The ringing hammer blow of God's compassion peeling out across a land that keeps trying to say it's broken it's sin it's all broken it's sin it's fake this is real this is real and though we may only have pieces for now it's pieces of a grace and a compassion that has come from the hand of God itself it's why we have to stay here It's why we have to be in this community. It's why we have to keep coming back. And and if Jesus were to sail away in a boat overnight, I would run around the other side. But I don't need to because I'm in the boat with him. And so are you. He called to your life long ago and said, come and follow me. And now he says, look at the city of Orange. Look at what's happening here. And we say, Lord, send them away. (laughs) It's been a long day already. And he says to the church here 
on Orange Street. You don't need to send them away. You feed them. There will be baskets and baskets of pieces left over. Amen? Amen. Amen.